Welcome to Rain Christian Church Audio Sermons. Thank you for tuning in. May you be blessed. Brother Lawrence wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. Can you hear? Can you hear the word? I just want to put my shoes back on again before you stone me. Brother Lawrence wrote a book. It was not actually a book. It was letters. And then his friend compiled it into a book. And it was letters that he wrote to his friend. And his friend called the book Practicing the Presence of God. Because that was what Brother Lawrence did. He practiced the presence of God. And what does that mean? The Bible says that we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. If you notice that when you, when, not you, when other people, okay? when other people watch rugby, they get excited and they watch rugby this way. Yay! 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 Have you noticed that? <laughs> no. You, their whole body is involved. Their whole body expresses what they feel. And is involved in the celebrating that their team, they, their team are winning. Or their whole body takes part in their team losing. So we present our body as a living sacrifice. And like Brother Lawrence says, practicing the presence of God. There's something about how we use our body in terms of that. See, we can sing songs and we can sing the words mindlessly with our tongues and mouth without connecting to God. Or we can come to a place and say, you know what, I don't know the words, but Lord, here I am, a living sacrifice. And you just close your eyes and in your spirit connect with God and feel whatever you feel and acknowledge it and say, Lord, here I am. And this morning when I did that, I just felt this like what Regine spoke about, the river. I saw this river coming down from heaven into me and just flow out of me. And isn't that what God, what Jesus called us to be? He said that you, that stream of living water will flow from your uttermost being. We are more than just water that stands still. Life is in water that moves. And He is first the river and the Holy Spirit the river and then we become part of that river and that river flows through us. And, and, and I want to, I, I really want to, mm, what's the word, um, ask you to, to come to a place in yourself during the week and on Sundays over here where you come to practice the presence of God. Lord, here I am. Just fill me. See, to us, spirituality is the more you talk, the more spiritual you are. And then we quote verses like, Woo, the, right, the, 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 the fervent prayer of the righteous avail much. Yes, that's the one side. But there's also one that says, be still and know that I am God. God. Sometimes we just need to come to a place where we know that He is God. And I don't even have to say it. I don't even have to tell you that because I know it. And to come from that place of knowing, just to sit in His presence, to stand or to kneel and to say, Lord, here I am. You are who you are. And just allow yourself, allow your body to experience Him. To f- I call cricket an organized way of wasting time. <laughs> And this type of prayer is exactly the same. It's an organized way of wasting time for a person looking in. Because all you do is you just sit there and you are so aware of God. Everything that moves, everything that changes in your body, everything that changes in this, but it changes everything within you. And it brings so much into the spirit realm with you. More, 
I, I almost want to say more than words. And the reason I want to say it is because we're Pentecostal. We come to a place where we know how to make a noise. And we should make a noise. Because the scripture says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But nobody taught us to be quiet. Nobody taught us to receive. Nobody taught us to feel with our spiritual senses what it is to experience God's presence. Unless we start growing quiet before God. With our mind focused on Him. We will not experience. Yes, there's times that we pray with words. Yes, there's times that we pray in tongues. I'm not disregarding that. It's important to pray with words. It is important to pray in tongues. Paul comes and he says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I mean, that's bold. Yeah. But then there's also a time where we start to, where we need to grow quiet. Not just quiet, with intent. Lord, here I am. My expectancy is to meet with you and to experience. Good. I'm going to fall over this. You know me by now. I don't need to. <laughs> yes. Goeiemorgen. Morgen. Morgen, John. Morning, 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 everybody. <laughs> to those on live stream, we, this morning for the first time, live stream with our big camera, with proper sound and good quality video on Facebook. Yeah. So, woo! Hello, everybody. <laughs> Where's my cross? We as Christians focus a lot on the cross like we should. Paul says that the cross is the power unto salvation and that it is also the place where the people out there think that we are cuckoo because they don't understand. And, 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 and so many times we've been taught that salvation is in the cross. <laughs> I believe salvation is the cross, but not only in the cross. See, that was a package deal, the cross. There's, man, where's my cross? Ah, my cross is still here, my cross. There's a package deal that came with the cross. There's a cross with a blood. Friday. Saturday. Death. Death. With death, the uncertainty of the disciples. What's happening? What's happening? And then Sunday morning, resurrection. Life. Woo! He's alive! We serve a living God. He's not in the grave. So, when we talk about the cross that saves, it's a package deal. Now, the cross in itself does not save. But it's the package deal that. See, unless Jesus rose from the grave, that meant nothing. You know, in the time of Jesus and just before he came, there was a lot of prophets that claimed that they were the Messiah. There was a couple of them. He was not the first. The fact that he rose from the grave made him different to all the others. Because that was the seal of authenticity. Because beforehand he told them, I will lay down my life and I will take it up again. He told them, this day that I'm going to die, but then I'm going to raise again. Rise. So he knew that beforehand. And he prepared his disciples for it. So when it happened, it was not a surprise to nobody. They actually just didn't understand what he was saying. But after it happened, every puzzle piece started falling into place. But that was a seal of authenticity Sunday morning when he wrote. Now I want to speak this morning about the resurrection. I've noticed that there's two things that the church in general doesn't speak about anymore. The one is the resurrection. And the second one is the second coming. People don't even speak about it anymore. It's raining. Let it rain, Lord. Thank you. And, and, and the, so this morning, I want to speak a bit about the resurrection. And, and, and call it the teaching if you like. It's definitely not a sermon. But, but it's more ideas I want to throw to you. So if it doesn't flow, it's because it's ideas that I want to present to you. But I promise you we're going to bring them together at the end. Is that fine? So sit through it. You are alive. Yeah. Man. That's a nice piece of, a nice plate of food, and then they spoiled it with a piece. <laughs> 
See, if you put, pee, put peas on my plate, I will eat it. But it is definitely because of self-defense. I prefer not to eat it. <laughs> Peas and Brussels sprouts, I prefer not to eat. Hmm? No. I don't know what it is, but it looks like a... But, but don't we do the same in this with spiritual things? We nitpick. We, we nitpick with food and we nitpick with spiritual things as well. Take any big church, take any small church and tell them on a Wednesday we're going to pray together and see how few people are there. Because that is like peace to me. There's certain spiritual things that we don't do or don't like. And, and it seems to me that, that the resurrection is the same and the second coming is the same and it's about time that we start getting a balanced meal as Christians. good now 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14 says and if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain we are even found to be misrepresenting God some translation says making God a liar because we testify about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that, he, that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is fertile and you are still in your sins. So what Paul is saying is that even if Jesus didn't raise from the grave, what happened on the cross means nothing. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Meaning there will be no resurrection of the dead one day when he comes again. Okay. So it's important to realize that when he says that if Christ never rose from the dead, you are still in your sins, that the package deal, cross, death, and resurrection is important. That's like baking a cup and you don't use egg or flour or whatever baking powder what my wife it's just not going to work out the same and this is the same for our redemption we need all three in our lives See, and, and there was a movement in the church in large where theologians and they published it here in South Africa they published it in our newspapers and says that the fact that Jesus uh, that um, Jesus was born by a virgin birth got no meaning so what if she was a virgin or not and then they went so far to say that even the the, the resurrection just doesn't make sense in the natural. So what if he was never raised from the dead? It makes a huge because Paul, if he was not raised, then you are still in your sin. Somehow those theologians missed this verse. And it's not the only one. You're going to see a couple of them this morning. Now this verse blew my mind this week. It's one that I loved and I've I think I read it last week as well. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death of his son, much more now now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? So what Paul is saying to the, to the church in Rome is that you are saved because of the res resurrection. Did you hear that? He didn't tell them you are saved because of the cross. Redemption happened here. He paid with his blood. The telestai, this finished, the, final, the full and final settlement. There's no more that we need to do. There's no more that God needs to do. He does not know us now any longer by the absence of sin. He knows us now by the presence of Christ. That is the only one. 
And then he comes, the cross, he paid the price. Death was he had to die, but then there was the resurrection. And the resurrection shall we have saved by his life. Because he is alive. Because that was the seal of authenticity, what happened in the package deal. Because of that, we are alive. Because of that, we are saved. There's the two differences. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled by God by the death of his son, the cross. And then he says, much more, hear those words, much more than this, much more now that we are reconciled, now that we are reconciled, now that what happened on the cross, shall we be saved by his life. Did you see that? When we read it that way, it's the same verse. It didn't have the same impact in the moment we did that. Because the moment we did that, you could clearly see the difference to what happened here, the reconciliation, and what happened over here, and that we have salvation in his life. And that's what I missed every time I read this verse. And I said to Tuanette when we said on Friday, I had this greatest revelation about this verse, <laughs> that we are saved by his life. Cool. The baptism. This is a verse that, man, derail a lot of theologians, derail a lot of Bible students. Yeah. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of the dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. So, and, and when, you, when you look at Scripture in general, you will see that baptism does not save in terms of salvation. The blood of Jesus did that. The blood of Jesus paid it. The blood of Jesus took away our sins, not covered it. It took it away. And then the Bible says that God does not think of it any longer. So we serve a forgetful God because he does not think of it anymore. That's the only thing where God is absent mind. So, so what baptism is, we know that according to Romans 6, that we are baptized into his death and rose when we come out of the water into a new life. Remember? That's the basics about baptism. Under the water, death. Above, back above the water, new life, alive. The symbolism of that. So Peter comes and he says that the baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. So, so the reason why you are baptized is to calm your conscience. Because you now understand what it is to die, and you now understand what it is to be raised into a new life. But now what he linked, hear how he links this. He says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we have a good conscience because of the resurrection resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is it a good conscience? Because of what happened here is being justified and being, what is it when you stamp a piece of paper? I'm just thinking of it now. And you certify it. You certify it. So this is the certification of what happened here. God certified what happened there was authentic, authentic and therefore he certified it when Jesus rose from the grave. And Yeah, commissioner of oath. And because of that, you can have a clear conscience. Because now you can believe that what he did at the cross was is he paid for all your sin. He paid for everything. He just not covered it like the Old Testament did. He took it away. And the book of Hebrews says that we can come with boldness into his presence. What is that different to a clear conscience? See, the, the Bible says that it's our hearts that condemn us and rob us from that boldness before God. And then the Bible comes and he says, but God is greater than your heart. So even when you condemn yourself, God is greater than your condemnation. Because he knows the truth about you even though you battle to understand the truth about who you are. <sighs> I'm so excited about this. But because Jesus lives forever, 
He has permanent, he, uh, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Okay. Jesus lives forever. He freaked out the Pharisees, the far you see and the sad you see. When he said to them, before Abram wa were, I was. So what he was telling them is, man, you think so much of Abram? I'm greater than him. I was before him because he was there before the earth was created. Because he's God. And then when he died, he rose and he went to be with the right hand of his father. And he lives in all eternity. He is not trapped within time and space as you are, as you and I am. But he does break through into time to serve you and me. So we think in terms of time and space, everything's got a beginning and every time's got an everything's got an end. And everything happens within space. I can only be either here or in Cape Town or, or in Joburg, but I can't be there at every place at the same time. He is outside time, outside space. He created it. He's more than that. And therefore he was before time started and when time is going to end, he's going to continue and he can be everywhere because he's out of space. This, this, was, this is what this verse is saying. He's great. He's awesome. He lives forever. But now he has a permanent priesthood. Why? Because he lives forever. He's permanent. Come on. Last week I said that your problem's got a beginning and an end. Your problems is not permanent. Everything on this earth's got a beginning and an end. Nothing is permanent. Christ is permanent. Therefore, he's the rock of our salvation. Therefore, he is steadfast in our life. Therefore, he is able to save completely. Why? Because he's a priest that is forever. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Now, there's a teaching out there that says that God saved the whole world the day that Jesus died on the cross. And you are okay. I don't believe that. I believe that Jesus paid for everybody's sin. But you need to come and take the bus ticket. If you don't take the bus ticket, the bus is going to leave without you. Even though the ticket was paid by somebody else. If you don't collect the bus ticket and use it, you're going to miss the bus. Hear what he said. Therefore, if he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. What does Jesus say? What is spiritual life or, or everlasting life? Everlasting life is to know the Father and to know Him. That's everlasting life. It's not that everybody is saved and everybody is going to heaven because Jesus died on the cross. I don't believe in universalism. I believe that we need to come to a place where we say, Lord, here I am. I now come to a place where I acknowledge you are my God and I submit myself under your authority as a child of and then allow God to bring us to a place of new birth or to be born. So those who come to God through through him. So you can only be part of that if you come to God through Christ Jesus. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Now, he therefore he is able to say completely because he's a priest forever. Now I want to make a leap. Now it's all of a sudden quiet. <laughs> What that verse is saying is because he is alive forever, as long as he is alive, he will be able to save you because our salvation is in his life. And because he is living forever, because of that, we have salvation in him forever, as long as we are in him. But if you get off the bus, then we must. Good. We're going to come back to this. Yeah, this one. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, prophesying about his death. But you will see me because I, because I live. You will live. Isn't that a nice promise? Because he rose from the grave, you are alive. 
Because he rose from a grave, I'm alive. And to be alive is more than just to breathe. To be alive is more than just to eat, because you did that before you were born again. Be alive is to be born again, to be birthed by God. When you look at John 3, and you look at in the, in the literal translation of the Greek, it literally means to be born from above. And when you are born again, the Bible says that you are now born through the seed of God. He's your daddy. No more bloodline curse, because the daddy changed. I'm brand new. All became new. Not just some part of it. There's a new lineage. There's a new bloodline running through me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's skip that. Because I'm alive, you will live also. So because I'm born again, I am now alive in the Spirit. And because of that, Jesus said to his disciples, walking, breathing, and you've heard me say this so many times, looking at them alive, and he says to them, you have everlasting life. What we made of it is one day when we die, we will have everlasting life. And, and you will only know if you have everlasting life when you get to the, to the pearly gate and the, and the angel open up the book and check if your name is there and keep you in suspense while paging the book. What's your name again? <laughs> oh, my name. <laughs> Hopefully that, the, the person that wrote my name and didn't work at What's that place? No, 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 no. The place that sells coffee, man. Um, Starbucks. Because they spelled my name so wrong, I didn't even know who I was myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, so, everlasting life is the moment you are born again. It's the moment that you know Christ, the moment that you know God. And it only becomes a continuation the day we pass away where we enter into the continuation of life. From this reality to a greater reality. And believe me, the angel knows that your name is in the book of life. He will know it. You don't need to check it out. Because you already have. You already have everlasting life. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We don't wear the 666 on our foreheads. We've got the seal of God in our foreheads. It's not about the chip. It's about identity. Good, so I have life. Ephesians 2 verse 4. But because of this great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to show you this. He made us alive. But you see that there's a word there that makes it so more powerful and so more important? Together with Christ. See, when Jesus, when Jesus died and he rose from the grave, you were raised with him. Because Paul writes and he says, you were crucified with him and you died with him. And I know the time and space thing is killing us because we don't even understand that. Because yes, but Ah, I mean, that was 2,000 years back. My mom didn't even exist. Never mind my granddad or grandmom. But because God knew you before the foundation of the earth, He had you in mind and you died with Christ in the Spirit as if it was you. So the moment you come to that place, you get on the bus to get the ticket and say, Lord, here I am. I now make you the king of my life. That moment you became part of that reality. That moment you died and came alive like that. And you were taken from the domain of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. It happened like that. And because of that reality, you were crucified with Christ 2,000 years back and you were raised with Him into a new life. So He says, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Meaningly, you can't pay for it. You were not saved from the Yesu Olak was. You are saved from that Yesu Olak. That's that. And God raised us up with Christ. Meaningly, He raised us up with Christ into a new life 
life, but it's more than just a new life. He restored us in Christ Jesus. He poured out, the Bible says, all spiritual blessings into us. The Bible says, as He is, so are we in this world. Not one day, in this world. As He is. Jesus says, it benefits you that I go away, because when I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit, and He will remind you everything I taught you, and you will do greater things that I do. Because why? Of the death and the resurrection. Because with the resurrection, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly places. I don't think we even fully understand what it means to be seated with Him in heavenly places. But what I do know is I'm above certain things. I'm above my problem. Even though I feel it and it's so real in my life, I'm more than that. Because I'm seated in a realm that is above time and space. And that time and space does not have a beginning and end. But my problems have a beginning and end. And there's so many things that we need to learn to rule over from that place. We say, Lord, here I am and thank you that I am seated with you and I'm seated above certain things. We are not seated above one another. We are not there to boast above one another. Man, if there's one thing that irritates me and that is the moment a person starts to quote more scripture verses than another person, people say, whoo, look how spiritual he is. No, he just have a mind to be able to absorb more scripture verses than other person. Spirituality is more than just quoting verse. It's more than that. Seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, let's take the concepts together. I want you to stand. I want you to, that's all the verses that we did this morning. I want you to repeat after me. I'm going to read it first and then you repeat. I am alive because Jesus is alive. I am saved because of His resurrection. I will be saved for as long as He lives. I have a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the resurrection, I am I am seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you that as we stand here this morning and that we declare who you are, who we are, because of what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, that we can be this morning not only forgiven. Father, not only reconciled, but that we are alive as well. Father, I thank you that because of the, the resurrection of Jesus, we can stand with a clear conscience and that we can, that we can know that we, ha that we have been restored. And Father, I thank you for that. Father, I pray that, that we will live our lives from this truth this morning. That because he was raised from the dead, I am more than a conqueror. Father, even though this world that we are living in is so real and our struggles is so real, there's a place that is greater than this. Father, that's this place where we are seated with you. And, and I pray this week, Father, that as we come to a place and, and that we are coming to a place of... of, of um, practicing your presence, Father. I pray that in this place of, of, of sitting with you, I pray, Father, that we will come to that place and experience 
how we are more than everything that is pressing us down. Father, and I thank you for that. Thank you, Father, that you don't have a relationship with me and with us because of our sins or without sins. But it's because of Jesus. And I thank you for that this morning, my Father. Father, I pray this week that you will fill us with a joy like never before. A joy that we can become excited about you because you are our dad. Father, even though our earthly dads had so many faults and so many wrong things, and, and, and we can come to you knowing that you are more than just an earthly dad. That you are perfect. That you are good. That we don't even understand everything, but yet we can say you are good because you are. Father, I pray that we will, that Holy Spirit, that you will draw us in deeper and deeper and deeper into this knowing that we are alive with Christ Jesus. And Father, I thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.